Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, conversations designed to help you as you live, learn, and lead through pain. And now the host of the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, Davey Blackburn. Hello and welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. I'm joined here in the studio with Emily Schiltz, my co-host. Hi. How are you? Good. Good. Hey, Emily, listen, I'm really excited about this episode. It's a brief episode, Mm -hmm. but it's so powerful. Yeah. And it's with a friend of mine who is a NASCAR driver. What? Like legitimate NASCAR driver. That's so cool. Trevor Bain. And let me tell you how I met him okay. because it's it's a really cool thing. I got connected with the chaplain for NASCAR a little over a year ago, and he asked me to come and speak to the drivers' meeting with all the drivers in the pit crew, um, and their chapel service. Wow! And it was really like a really cool experience. So I, I took my brother-in-law, Gavin, <laughs> who is <laughs> a NASCAR freak. Like he loves NASCAR, like to almost an unhealthy level. You know, they used to like all their friends would get everybody together in every Sunday afternoon and they'd watch NASCAR and they all pick a driver and they're Mm -hmm. like, you know, talking trash to each other while the NASCAR race is going on. While meanwhile, you know, this is in Elkhart, Indiana, as he's growing up. Meanwhile, Davey Blackburn is in Birmingham, Alabama, like NASCAR country, you know, Talladega Speedway, (laughs) just right down the road. And Sunday afternoons to us, NASCAR would be on, but it would be the on because it was the ideal thing to sleep to. Okay, yeah. You know, you I can the, resonate with that. Yeah, you hear the hum of those. Like, <laughs> and it's just left turns, left turns, left turns. So you watch the first like six laps and you fall asleep and you wake up for the last six laps, right? That's right. it, right? Yeah. This, is, this is what NASCAR is to us in the South. Well, Gavin's freaking out. So I take him with me and we get to do this like, you know, we get to ride in the pace car and they're going like 100 miles an hour around Dude. the track, which was crazy. That's cool. Normally cars are going 220. But oh. they took us 100 miles. Yeah, <laughs> they took us 100 miles an hour, and I'm like freaking out, yeah. you know. And then we get to the drivers' meeting where I'm gonna speak at the chapel service, and I get done speaking, and and these drivers are coming up to me, and I've never followed NASCAR, mm. so I don't have a clue who these people are. The only person I knew was Danica Patrick, okay, because she was a big deal that like it was a female in NASCAR, right? right? And um, and so. She comes up, she's like, wow, that was amazing. That was like one of the best things I've ever heard. I was like, wow, you're Danica Patrick. <laughs> you, know, like, <laughs> you know, she's like four foot one, you know, so I'm like looking down at her. Then this guy comes up and he looks like he's 12 years old. Mm-hmm. And he's like, hey, man, thanks so much for, you know, sharing that. That was really awesome. I was like, oh, thanks, man. What's your name? Thinking that he's like some intern on the pit crew, <laughs> no. you know, like. I'm like, oh, cool, man. What's your name? He's like, my name's Trevor. I was like, oh, cool, Trevor. Great to meet you. you know? Little and then I just Trevor. Kind of, yeah, oh, there you go. Way to go, little Trevor. I was like, pat, pat his, his head. head. Yeah. I'm like, oh, how sweet, man. And I literally, I was like, well, thanks for what you do, man. Because I'm thinking, you probably get the crap work. You know, like, you probably get thrown to the wolves on this pit crew. So I'm like, oh, man, thanks so much for what you do. I appreciate you. And he's like, thanks. And he walks off, right? And my buddy, or my brother-in-law, Gavin, he comes up to me. He goes, bro, do you know who that was? And I was like, not a clue. Have no idea, right? Know nothing about NASCAR except for turn left, turn left, turn left, and Talladega Nights. You know yeah. what I mean? And so I, I'm like, who, is, who was it? He goes, that's Trevor Bain. He was the youngest guy ever to win the Daytona 500. And I'm Dang. like, <gasps> so then all of a sudden I'm th- like reeling back going, what did I just say to him? Oh, no, I'm so embarrassed. So I felt so bad. I like reached out to him on Twitter afterwards. Yeah. I'm like, Dude, love watching your race. You're <laughs> such a big fan of you, <laughs> like completely lying. So anyways, that's my story. 
of getting to meet Trevor Bain and some of the other NASCAR drivers. Yeah. And the fact that I don't know anything about NASCAR. Hey, I don't either. Like, never watch NASCAR. Never at I all. Really and we're like, we're in, so. we're in like racing town, Indianapolis. Yeah. yeah. Like, have you ever been to a race? Well, no. <laughs> so we like volunteered, our church volunteered at the um, Indy 500 marathon yeah, something. Uh-huh, yep, <laughs> Obviously, yep. I'm, I know what I'm talking about. Right, um, the half marathon. The half marathon, marathon yep. mm-hmm. yes. Um, and so I think because we volunteered, we got tickets to like one of the days before the actual race. Right. And so that's the only thing. And obviously that's IndyCar. Yeah. So it has nothing to do with NASCAR, right? right? Other than I'm on, asking, they're I on the same track know. here in Indianapolis, <laughs> <Okay>. right? They do the <laughs> same track. Anything. Yeah. Um, but you're so, right. Totally different leagues. Right. Totally different cars. Yeah, totally. And so I remember we were walking around like where they make the cars look good. And I think that's what they do. Like the garages. Um, but Kent and I went and sat in the seats to watch the track for a little bit. And mm-hmm. we probably watched Maybe 10 cars pass us. And I was like, uh, I think I'm done. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's fun. Yeah. Wow, they're going really fast. What's next? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Gary. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, so, it is fun. It is really cool when you like see them coming by, you know, coming around turn four, yeah. coming down the straightaway. And it's like, whoo. It's fast. It's insane. And to think about like the pressure of that, like your, your bumper to bumper. With other people bumper going to bump it. <laughs> oh my gosh! Were you just was that cake? What was that? No, was, that was um, vanilla ice. Vanilla ice. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that's hilarious, unreal. Anyways, anyway, they're, they're bumper to bumper, and they're like you know moving through all of these, and they're going so fast, and it's high pressure, and there's all kinds of different things um, that is is plaguing a high performance mm-hmm. athlete. I mean, I think sometimes we look at those lifestyles and we go, man. It would be so awesome, right? Well, Trevor talks a little bit about that, like what it's like to be, to have the pressure of that colliding in your life as you're trying to. And what I love about Trevor, he loves the Lord. Yeah. Like that's so evident in this interview. Oh my gosh. He's just such a godly dude, really trying to pursue after Jesus. Loves his family, mm-hmm. like his family goes goes with him, travels with him everywhere. So he's a high performance athlete trying to live a life of integrity amidst a, a community of people who they have everything. They don't need Jesus. Yeah, they got everything the world has to offer, and yet he even notices that they're they're dry, mm-hmm. and th- and there's oftentimes this feeling of dryness in that community. And so he talks a little bit about that, but he also has walked through a little bit of pain himself and a little bit of trial himself. And so it's just a really cool interview to sit down with him. Now it was short. Like we yes. had, I'm surprised there weren't like <laughs> in the background because it was like, man, we got an RV and we like real quick and I just like put a microphone on him and it was, it was fast and it was, it was brief. But in this little tiny interview, this dude drops gospel bombs. It's so good. It's unreal. Yeah. I mean, hey, let's go ahead and listen. Let's do it. Hey, welcome to the Nothing is Wasted podcast. I'm here with my friend, new friend, Trevor Bain. We got to meet last year as I spoke to the drivers and the pit crew and the chapel service. It's awesome getting to meet you. I'm so glad you're taking the time to hang out with us. Yeah, I'm glad to be a part of this. Good to have you. We don't have a lot of time, so we're going to jump right in (laughs) so you can add as much value to the listener as possible. Trevor, tell me just a little bit about your upbringing, how you came to know the Lord, uh, what brought you to this point? Well, I grew up in Knoxville, Tennessee, and uh, basically everybody there goes to church, right? It's what mm-hmm. you do on Sunday. Maybe you don't listen to your music that says bad stuff on <laughs> Sunday. And, you know, that's kind of 
what we did as a family, we'd just go, but it was cultural Christianity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for me, it didn't really become a reality until my freshman year of high school. Um, that's when I really started understanding the gravity of Christ and what mm-hmm. he did for us and what it meant to follow Jesus other than acting good and going to church. Yeah. And um, that's when I got a better understanding. But um, I accepted Christ then and asked him to take control of my life. But that process of sanctification... <laughs> I would say didn't even really start until uh, a couple years later. I moved to Charlotte, North Carolina. A guy named Brent Weaver um, started hanging out with me some. We'd wakeboard together. He worked at a race team uh, that I was trying to drive for. And um, we started spending some time together. And I could just see this joy in this guy and this peace. And, uh, you know, I could tell it was Christ. And um, we just spent time, you know, he invested into me, started Mm. discipling me. And I would say that's when that sanctification of surrendering things in my life, taking Trevor out of the center, Mm. letting Holy Spirit lead, letting Christ be the center, um, you know, that's when that shift started to happen. And it's still a process, as you know, but uh, God's just always surrounded me with great people that have discipled me, poured into me and um, still learn every day. Yeah. Now, there've been some mile markers along the way in your journey from meeting Christ to even now as a very successful NASCAR driver (laughs) that have refined you, that just maybe some wake up moments or some milestones that you could point to to say, man, Jesus really used these seasons to to refine me well the first thing i think of is that same time when brent and i started hanging out um i actually lost my ride so i was a race car driver without a ride for six months (laughs) the team i was driving for shut down Uh, they were a huge team and nobody saw that coming and they shut down and i had a contract that said i was good to go for the next Mm -hmm. year and i thought everything was secure but what I found is I have my security in something that isn't secure. It wasn't wow. eternal. It was in my job and what I was as a race car driver. And I thought, you know, hey, Trevor Bain's good enough to do this on his own. Yeah. And that's when the Lord really grabbed my attention was during that six months of having time to spend with Brent. So mm. all that stuff started happening at the same time. Um, and it was funny because I was trying to come back on my own. I was right. trying to find a ride, be good enough, you know, build my own empire, my own brand. Right. And as a, you know, 18 year old trying to do that, um, I couldn't. And I I remember being on the boat one day, we just prayed, you know what, Lord, if you want me here, if this is the ability you've given me, this is where you want me to be, then I know that you'll make a way for it. Mm. And um, if you don't want me here, then I don't want to be here. And two weeks later, um, a guy named Gary Bechtel that had the funds to support my career came along and wanted to do that. There was a race team looking for a driver and, you know, some sponsorship and it worked out perfect. So after six months in two weeks after praying about it, um, he, he changed it completely and opened the doors. It was just me being dependent on him and realizing he was the one paving the way and why I was here versus trying to build a kingdom for Trevor. It was about pursuing him and being here for his glory. And, um, um, without that, I probably would still be trying to do it on my own. Yeah, absolutely. You know? um, so I kind of needed that rug ripped out from under mm. me a little bit. And I would say I've had that a few times where mm. it hasn't always been these gradual nudges. It's been big things that he's mm. done in my life um, to get my attention, um, whether it's wins or times being out of the race car. Um, he's definitely got my attention in big ways. Yeah, yeah. It's got to be tough, though, being so young and you're, you're successful, you know, relative to people your age, you know, you've, you've, from what I understand, you've raced pretty much all your life, (laughs) right? Yeah. And, and so now you're thrust into, you're the youngest person to win the Daytona 500. You're thrust into the limelight, thrust into the spotlight. And how do you make sure that in the midst of that, as you're being, as you're grounded in your faith around a community that's 
a lot of people are not. And the, the whole rat race is promote yourself, be yep. number one, you know, climb the ladder to get to that place. How do you make sure your talent doesn't outpace your character? Well, that's something I'm really thankful for in the Lord. I feel like he has only allowed me to have success at times where I've been in a place that I could handle it with him and, yeah. and been wow. in a place mentally where I wasn't after it for myself. Wow. So right before we won the Daytona 500, uh, with one of my guys that I live life with, Michael McDowell, in our Bible studies, another driver, great guy. Um, I remember sitting in his motor home and we were talking and I was like, man, I just want to experience the Lord outside of reading. And like, mm. you know, these Bible studies that we're doing are awesome, but I just want to experience him intimately and, you know, just in a real way. And I wasn't talking about winning a race. Right. I was just, right. you know, whatever. But I was at a place of surrender again of saying, mm. I just want to experience you. I want more of you, Jesus, not more of this racing, more success. Right. I want more of you. And then we win the race the next day and I get to experience that. But if I hadn't been in a place of surrender, wanting more of Jesus, then I would have thought, oh, well, these wins, this right. success, this money, these things are fulfilling. Wow. And only at times when I, I feel like he's really protected me from success sometimes wow. of thinking that that's what's going to fulfill. And, you know, I just studied Ecclesiastes some the last couple of weeks and that chasing after the wind, yeah. uh, these things under the sun that are meaningless, things that aren't eternal. Um, you know, obviously anything can have meaning if you're doing it for God's glory. So yeah. I'm not saying race or wins or success is meaningless. It's just meaningless if you're not doing it for God's glory. Wow. And uh, I feel like he's protected me from that a lot of times. And that's what's helped me, that mentality, the people around me that have helped me remember that, that have knocked my pride down yep, when it gets yep. up and keep it real with me. Uh, yeah. Those people have been huge for me. Dude, what a brilliant concept that sometimes the Lord protects us from success because yeah. success would actually be the worst thing for us. His greatest act of mercy is that he shields us from this worldly success so we find our trust in him. That's right. I mean, That's amazing. It's hard, right? It's we super all wanna, hard. We, we want to win races. That's what yeah. I do this for. And to me, in my mind, sometimes I'm like, well, Lord, I could glorify you more if I'm winning races or right. I could do this more. And he just says, be where you are. Be here now. You know, pursue me now. Do wow. it for my glory now and, and where you're at. And I think we all always are chasing after the wind saying, well, if I was here, if I had that, I could do more for you. It's almost this, yeah. you know, way of trying to get what we want. Yeah. Wow. So in, in 2013, right, I think it was 2013, you received some kind of a, a medical diagnosis, which had to have taken the wind out of you a little bit. Talk to me about that. Tell the, talk to the listener about what that looked like. And then how did, how did that shake your faith? Did that, what does that look like? So in 2011, after we won the 500, a few months after that, uh, I was in the hospital for six weeks with double vision. Wow. So greatest success in my career to one of the biggest lows being out of the race car for a medical reason, not okay. just because, you know, I lost my ride. It was because I couldn't do it. I couldn't see. Um, I woke up on a Monday morning, double vision. And, uh, you know, one of my friends was living with me at the time and I walked in and I was like, man, am I cross-eyed? Like wow. what's going on? Went back to sleep, woke up, still the same thing. And uh, so I ended up in the Mayo Clinic getting all these tests man. run. And uh, I had a tick bite on my arm. They thought it might be Lyme's disease and they started thinking maybe MS. And uh, 2013, they they just kind of wanted to say something yeah, about it. So yeah. they said it was MS. Uh, we're still really uncertain on yeah. the exact diagnosis, but I feel like that's how God's worked in my life right. to keep me dependent. Um, I feel like he's the one sustaining my body. It's not wow. a treatment or a thing. I, I haven't taken any treatments just out of conviction, really. In the beginning, they were like, hey, we want you to take this shot every day. And something about that, I'm not saying all medication mm. is bad or nobody should do that, but 
to me, I felt really sure that the Holy Spirit was saying, hey, just trust me. Wow. And so I haven't taken any medication and he sustained my body every day for the last six years yeah. with no symptoms, no anything. So it really is mysterious, kind of weird. But um, during that time, I just remember thinking, um, man, six months ago, I was praising the Lord for a victory. Mm -hmm. And there were people out there saying, well, that's easy to do when you've just won the biggest race there is. How about now? You know, who is Trevor going to be in the hospital? Who am I going to praise? Like, he's still the same God, and this is still for his glory. So taking those times, um, you know, and James 1, I'm sure everybody's heard it, but consider it pure joy when you Mm -hmm. face trials of many kinds. Um, Testing of your faith develops perseverance. That's kind of a Cliff Notes version. Yeah, exactly. I was trying to remember every word, it's but all right. sometimes I'm not pretty good. <laughs> scripture memory. But, um, you know, how do we spend time in those trials and not try to get out of them? How do yeah. we not try to escape it, but be near to the Lord and trust Him through that and figure out what does He mean, pure joy? Wow. And, and how could I consider that pure joy? Well, this doesn't seem fun. This doesn't seem joyful, but... Yeah what I experienced was nearness to him. And that's where our joy comes from. Wow. And so just trying to be there, trusting him, you know, I always thought I'd be back in the race car, but now looking at it from a four year older perspective and what yeah. I've learned, if I wasn't in the race car again, it would have still been what's best for me um, because yeah. I would have been close to him. Wow. There had to have been some times of just like serious wrestling though. I mean, you and your wife and your family, and um, there had to been some times where you're like, Seriously, God? Like, what is going on here? Yeah. You know, now I think in, in retrospect, you can kind of see some of those moments. You can look back and go, well, God was really near to me. I right. see, I, you know, Paul says, I count it all as loss, mm-hmm. right? But for the knowing Christ. Yeah. And, and so you can see that now, but in the midst of it, you know, you've got listeners who are listening to this right now and they're going, but I'm in the middle of this. Right. What do, like, what do I do? How do I, how do I, you know, shirk off the fleshly, uh, you know, questioning and yeah. doubting and all that stuff and really trust the Lord. What would you say to a listener that's going through that? Man, it's so hard because it sounds so much easier when yeah. you're through it, right? Yeah. And you're on the other side of it. And, you know, we want to be sensitive to the people that are in the struggle now. Mm-hmm. And um, that's always a hard thing for me because I'm so black and white. Yeah, and I, yeah. you know, early this year, I remember thinking about another thing Paul says when he says to live as Christ, to die as gain. Mm-hmm. Like, literally the only thing that matters on this earth while we're here is being near to Christ. Wow. And the nearest we'll ever be to him is when we die. And right. so he says it's like, like sweet. <laughs> no matter what we're experiencing here, whether I win this weekend, whether I finish 40th and blow up on the first lap, like my nearness to Christ is actually all that matters. But yeah. our minds and the world and everything else has us chasing these different things that are meaningless. And, um, you know, but there are real things that hurt, mm. right? Um, you know, we don't want to see the people around us be hurt or, mm-hmm. or things we're going through with our jobs. And those real things that our emotions are tied to and, and hurt us deeply, um, man, it's just about making it through it while right. you're in the valley, right? right? And trying to draw near to the Lord and trying to see that He's still the same good Father. And, um, you know, I don't have all the answers yeah, of how to absolutely. get while you're in the valley, but I know that when you get out of the valley, um, it's a lot easier and, and you, you will come through it. Yeah. If, if you depend on the Lord on our own strength, we're, we're just going to yeah. be there wallowing and, yep. you know, spinning our wheels. Yeah. Well, one of the things I'd like coming, kind of coming through my valley of losing my wife, you're in the valley and it looks dark and it looks foreboding. And you're just mm-hmm. like, you can't see anything around you. You're just kind of taking one step at a time. But then at some point in your life, you get to the place where 
you're starting to come up out of a valley, which means you're like starting to go up a little bit of a mountainside, and you look back and the perspective of the valley is actually pretty beautiful. It is. You see this different perspective from a little bit further up where you go, wow, that's a, man, that valley's really mm. beautiful. And it, it's hard to see that in the moment. It is. Because it's so dark and it's so man, difficult. I don't, I don't, you know, like you said with your story, I, I can't imagine because my bad days are normally related to performance or something, mm. but not a somebody you love and you're going to miss and going through that kind of a valley. I, I don't have great advice for well, it. And yeah, but I, it's just, I, I think the thing you're is, right. is, is is pain is pain, no matter what we're experiencing. Right. There's no way to compare it. It all points us to Christ. Yep. And we find our fullest satisfaction when we are most satisfied in Him, right? And He then is glorified in us. And so as we live that out in the peaks and the valleys, yep. as we live out our faith, then people are impacted by that. That's right. How have you seen being in this NASCAR community, you know, right? Trevor Bain, who wins the Daytona 500, youngest, youngest, you know, driver to ever do that. And then in the hospital bed, that peak and valley, so, so closely, you know, in, in time proximity, right? Mm -hmm. How have you seen that make an impact in the community around you? Well, I, I think initially it made a big impact because like I said, you know, I got to, I remember reading tweets and stuff, which I don't really do much anymore because yeah. people want to tell you how good or bad you are. And yeah, you know, it's, it can go both ways. Right, and so I was like, right. I'm not going to believe the bad things. I can't <laughs> right. believe the good don't ones either. The bad so press and good press. I just good quit advice. that. But, wow. um, you know, I remember laying in the hospital bed thinking about the guy that tweeted, well, that's easy to say. You just won the Daytona 500. Wow. And, and I got to respond to that while I was in the hospital bed with, hey, the God I'm talking about, man, he's, he's still just as great while I'm here. Wow. So that impact of having both of those and still try to stay as level as possible yeah. in Christ. I think that was really cool and balanced it out. Um, but the last few years of my life have actually been kind of that flat level, mm. not too many crazy ups and downs. And, you know, I'm thankful for that because I've gotten to see what it's like to just grind it out, just mm. not yep. going through these ups and downs right. and just been at the same race team, Steady same sponsor, and, my yeah. wife, and we've added two kids yes. to our family. And like, just recently, just, the second one, yeah, right? Yeah, so wow. four weeks. That's a grind. <laughs> the second kid, man, no <laughs> sleep. That's a tough one. But, um, you know, just going through all that, I, I think for the community uh, to just to see that God's still the same yeah. and that he's worthy of our praise no matter what you're going through. I think that's good. But, um, you know, sometimes you don't realize the impact you're making, I yeah. guess, fully until somebody tells you about a story of how that changed their life. But um, right now, while I'm here in racing, my goal is to just keep perspective that performance, a number at the end of the day of where I finished doesn't define me. It doesn't wow. define my joy. It isn't going to tell me who I am. And, and I have to just do my best and trust the Lord with mm. the result. And that's what I've been talking to my guys about this year is, hey, let's do our best, everything we can, because the reason we're here is to glorify God. And if I was a pastor, I would be asking God to come into every time I went up on the stage. Yeah. I'd be yep. praying, all right, Absolutely. Lord, give me the words to speak. I'm just a vessel. So my job's no different. I'm here to impact people. How do I do that in a race car? Wow. Um, and how do I pray before the race? God, I'm just a vessel. I'm just here. You supernaturally mm. take control of this, you know, and I'm going to work at it. I'm not just going to sit back, let go of the steering yeah. wheel. I don't expect the steering wheel to move on its own, but I do, I do pray for him to supernaturally give me more ability and help me to do better right. in the race car or 
do what needs to be done um, to glorify him. And yeah. that's what we try to do. Okay, I got one more question. And this is more what I'm curious about as I'm walking through all of this. You're a high-performance athlete. You have all kinds of demands on your schedule. You're racing just about every weekend, right? You've got travel and all of this, but you love Jesus and you love your family and your family loves you, at least from what I see outside <laughs> looking in, right? I think how, they do. <laughs> how do you do that? How do you manage all of that? It's tough and and you only have so much time in a day and you have to choose where you're going to spend that time. And, you know, we fight that a lot. My wife and I will say, all right, we're fasting from Instagram or we're not doing <laughs> this because you can eat up time doing meaningless stuff, wow. right? And uh, so for me, I mean, my family is a huge priority and they come with me almost every single weekend and we spend time together and we just kind of make it work where we are because we know this is where we're going to be, where we're supposed to be. Uh, but there are days we don't want to. There are days yeah. I don't want to leave on a Thursday to come to the racetrack and I just say, you know, this looks awesome from the outside mm. and people probably think, man, he's living the life, but it's tough some days to yeah. do everything you need to do. And I just no different than somebody working at a factory. All right, this is where you have me, Lord. So help yeah. me make the best of it. And, and we enjoy it. We enjoy traveling sometimes. Um, but you know, I've found that going to bed early, getting up early is what I have to do. <laughs> Get up at six, do some workouts and not as buff as you, but, oh you know, gosh. I work out quite a bit. And, <laughs> um, and then I try to be home for breakfast, spend time with my little girl, make her breakfast, hang out with Ashton and Levi. And then, um, you know, throughout the day, just finding those moments. Um, I listened to a Matt Chandler sermon where he talked about just making moments throughout the day to reorient our hearts wow. and finding that time to pray and reading and not doing it to please God, right? Like yeah. not reading just to try to earn favor yeah. because we're already seated at God's right hand. He wow. said, I seated you there, meaning we're sitting, not doing anything. Yep. He seated us there and we already have all the favor we're going to have. So when I read or pray, I'm not doing it out of a, man, I have to do this to keep God pleased. Mm. I'm doing it to reorient my heart to say, God, I'm pursuing you. Show me what I need to be doing. Doing. Wow. And those little times throughout the day are what are key because we can get so distracted, so off our pace and off yep. our path that we need to be on. And just those little times of praying when you're driving or spending time in the word for three seconds while you're in the bathroom, I don't know, <laughs> to reorient our hearts on what our purpose is wow. are really big. And praying when you're driving and you're going around a track over That's 200 right. miles an hour. <laughs> That's really right. Really praying a lot. <laughs> That's right. Dude, this is so inspiring. Thank you so much for joining us on the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, man. I, hopefully we, uh, we get a chance to do some more conversations in the future. Yes, sir. It sounds awesome. good. Thanks, Thank Trevor. you. I hope you had your notebook. I did. Because that was like drinking from a fire hydrant. Mm -hmm. It was like... <laughs> I, don't, I can't do the tongue roll thing, but I was trying to right. do like a machine gun. Okay. Like the, the, you know, yeah. It wasn't quite right, but it was like machine gun gospel bombs yeah. all over the place. Can you think of anything that stood out to you or that you really yeah, took you know, away? I think what was really cool and insightful from Trevor was to hear him talk about satisfaction purely in Christ and how mm. sometimes God will delay what we think we want yeah. the most because he knows what we need the most. Yep. And, and he knows that we can't handle what we want the most. And, you know, he, he mentioned about delaying success for his own good, mm -hmm. you know? And, and I imagine when your job and your livelihood depends on you performing, yeah. Gosh, I imagine that's a hard thing to wrestle with mm -hmm. because it's like, well, 
God, I'm trying to be a witness to you out here in this community. And, you know, I'm like, you're giving me this platform to be able to do this, but like you're delaying success. Like, come on. And just his insightfulness and wisdom to know like, hey, if God gave me the success that I was oftentimes seeking after and searching for, and I'm not sure if my integrity could hold up. I'm not yeah. sure if I would be ready for that. Right. You know, and so he's really working on himself. And, and I can find, I feel that too. I'm like in that season where I'm going, hey, Lord, like make me personally, my inner self, my inner me strong enough to handle whatever platform you're wanting to um, put me on, large or small. Yeah. Like, so that I can really help people and influence people and not be so intoxicated by what the world has to offer. Right. So I think that was probably the most impactful thing. To yeah. Me. I think for me, the part that I was taking the most notes on was um, when Trevor was talking about um, people who were saying, hey, yeah, it's so easy for you to say you have a relationship with Jesus when you just like, hmm. like, won this race, right? Yep. Um, and, you know, you have the glory, so it's easy to give God the glory. Yeah. Um, but then finding himself weeks later, right, mm. in the hospital, um, being able to use that as his testimony, wow. right? To, like, draw attention to the fact that even when it seems to the world that we have nothing, yep. um, that our hope in Christ is enough. Yeah. And that can sustain us through, like, really hard things um, and really confusing things. And I mean, even the fact that Trevor still does not know what his diagnosis is. Right. That is crazy. Right. But that the Lord has healed this thing, this thing. Yeah. <laughs> because he just trusts in him. Yeah. Um, and so, I don't know, just in, in the little things. And that's a really big thing that the glory right. can go to the Lord too. Um, well, it's in so. like the idea of like in both triumph and tragedy. Yeah. God is God and God is good. And he's constant. And he's constant. So no matter how my situation shifts and how my life ebbs and flows, whether I'm on the mountaintop or the valley or somewhere in between, I'm going to continue to keep my eyes on Jesus. Yeah. And I think, man, what a perfect example of that. It's so great to be able to have people who, like Trevor, who have experienced some high mountaintops, right? some low valleys, mm -hmm. to be able to give testimony to that. I yeah. just pray that I would you know, have that kind of faithfulness too. Yeah. And even like boldness to share our stories. Yeah. You know, I feel like that's something I'm, this is really personal, but something I'm chewing on right now. Mm -hmm. Like how do I intentionally share my story with the people that I lead at church or um, just the people that I do CrossFit with? Like yeah. how, how do I bring God glory in all of those things? Right. And I think that's what we talk about here a lot, right? On this podcast right. is um, regardless of the situations that we're currently facing or the things that we have faced, um, or, you know, maybe we're just starting to walk out of the valley. Mm -hmm. um, how do you still give God glory and all that? But yeah. um, I think That's it just awesome. comes back to spending time with Him yep. and looking looking for His faithfulness because it's there. Yeah. So we just have to fix our eyes on it. But Yeah. So, hey, if this podcast has been helpful for you, um, do us a favor. Go and rate and review it. Um, you can do that on iTunes. You can do it on Google Stitcher, Play. Google mm -hmm. Play, everywhere where you're listening to this. But it really helps us a lot to get this content into other people's hands when you rate and when you review it. And also when you share it. Yeah. So hit that share button and send it over to somebody that you know maybe is struggling or somebody who's not struggling. But they, you know, we're all inevitably going to face some kind of a trial. And so someone who maybe you know needs to train for the trial that they're not yet in, yeah. um, share it with them. Yeah. If you want us to pray for that person in your life that um, needs needs that uh, hope through your headphones, yeah. um, let us know. Send us their name. Um, we'd love to pray over them, pray over you um, as you take steps to encourage them. Um, or if you need encouragement, please yep. let us know that too. Um, I think 
one of my favorite things about this podcast is that we get to hear people's stories, that we have the privilege to share them with you, but right. also that um, this ministry is bigger than just the stories that we share here. Um, and it's your stories too, yeah. as a listener. And so um, please share those with us. I think that keeps us encouraged and keeps us um, wanting to do this, mm-hmm. um, makes us excited to get this in your headphones, um, to hear the life change that you guys are experiencing, or mm-hmm. if we can rally around you and pray for you too. So anyway, you can send all those things, stories or prayer requests to hello at davyblackburn.com. Perfect. And all of the music has been provided by Sleeping at Last. You can listen to him anywhere that music is streamed or downloaded. Make sure you pick up his stuff. He's got some excellent stuff. Just wrote mm-hmm. a new some new stuff on the Enneagram. Yeah. Ooh, Ooh. the Enneagram. <laughs> and thank you for listening to this episode. Join us next time on the Nothing is Wasted podcast. <laughs>